right. Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Elias in studio. We're going to have a fun show, Elias. We've never done this before, but we're going to kind of do a little bit of a a speed round, I guess. We're going to talk about 35 financial rules for 40-year-olds and uh, why they're important that you kind of pay attention to. And now, you know, we always talk about being able to make money mistakes and making money mistakes in your 20s is one thing. It gets more detrimental if you make those mistakes in your 30s. And every year you get older, a money mistake's more detrimental. And we have retirees come in here. We always have the discussion, you know, you got you could make a money mistake when you were 30 years old. But if you make a big money mistake when you're 65 and retired, it's really, really hard to recover from those mistakes. So today we're going to try to work on how do we get 40-year-olds on track. So then they don't make a... Uh make a boo-boo as they're uh getting older so when you're 40 then you're you're officially an adult then right real adulting has to happen yeah okay i mean i don't i don't know because i'm not 40 yet but i can imagine i'll feel like a real adult when i am you won't feel any different I you'll, won't. you'll think about things differently but you're still gonna feel like your juvenile self okay good. at least i do i, I mean you know I, I always think about that when people are 65 they actually like mentally feel different than when they were when they were 30. I don't think they do. I think they have more maturity and wisdom and they're focused on different things. I can tell you once you once you turn 40, at least for me, the focus was off of things and more to how do I actually build wealth? You know, my wife and I, our talk is, you know, if we're going to buy something, let's try to buy something that's an asset that builds wealth in the future versus a purchase that just feels that. good today. And I think, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you, you can buy the toys and the stuff. Maybe that's going to go down in value and get away with it. But when you're in your mid 40s, you start to think about, well, I only have 15 or 20, 20 years left to build wealth. Like you get really serious about it, I think, when you hit 40. I, I can see that. And you've probably had, you know, at that point in your life, and we, we both know that you've already done some of the you like what buy a boat spend money on credit cards that you shouldn't you've probably kind of been there done that so it's probably I've done, I've you done can it look all. well right and like me and i'm sure listeners are the same i tend to learn more from mistakes that i make than doing something right like if you make a mistake you're always going to remember that i'm sure everyone has something in their life where they think back and they think you know did i really need to buy that car or did i need to do that and then you start to think about, well, maybe my money could have been better spent somewhere else. We talked about on a show, I don't know what episode it was, but the 24-hour rule, the decision-making like 24-hour rule. Yeah. And I've really embraced that in the last year of my life. And, you know, I looked at a major purchase a week ago and I was with my friend Brad. He goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to exercise the 24 to 48 hour rule before I do anything. Cause I'm just like, anybody. we're, I'm, we're, we're all humans. And I think sometime when we talk about money, people think we're different. We're just like everybody else. We just maybe have a little bit more information at, at our disposal. But Brad knew if I didn't do the 24 hour rule, I was going to make a rash decision and it, it would have been okay either way, but it just made more sense for me to sit back and think about it and see what other opportunities were out there. I'm trying to buy a piece of land and I just wanted to sit back and see what other opportunities. Well, sure enough, there's an auction right in the neighborhood where I want to be. And there's just a bunch of things happening. I'm like, hmm, 
maybe I'll sit back versus getting really excited about one thing. And if the other pieces of land don't work out, I can always come back to the one that I really like if it's still there. That's true. That's true. That sounds very responsible of you. I can't. Well, so like you said, I still feel like I'm mentally 25, but operating in a more responsible fashion. Good job. Uh, So number one, so we're going to hit these 30. We have 35 things we're going to talk about. We're going to hit them quick. Just spend a brief amount of time because I can't imagine getting through 35. We'll see if we can do it. Most of the time we're doing like five to nine things. So we have 35. We're not going in depth. If uh, one of these hits home, try to take the information we give you and utilize it. But number one, finish paying off your high interest consumer debt. Uh, so what, what is that? That would be credit cards, um, student loans. You know, I kind of look at consumer debt as everything except for your mortgage. And you know, hopefully you were fortunate enough to lock in a mortgage rate that was 2.75 or three or three and a half percent. But you know, if you have discretionary cash, knock out high interest rate debt. I know this is an investment show, but sometimes the best investment isn't an investment. It's knocking out the stuff you're paying 18, 19, 20% on. That's true. So the number, uh, the second thing here is use and pay off your credit cards each month. So here, here's what I'll say with that. If you can effectively do this, actually use credit cards and pay them off, be responsible with them. It is a good thing for you when to build your credit score when you do need to borrow money for things in your life. If you have a hard time using and paying off every month, you should just take a pair of scissors and cut your credit cards up and throw them away and not use them. So I that's like, kind of my take on credit cards. I like that. I'll go one step further just to add on here. I pay them weekly. It's a lot easier to pay them weekly if you have something going on there for 100, 200 bucks, pay them weekly. The other thing you catch the unused subscriptions if you pay them weekly. It doesn't get buried in all the transactions. Three, ask for a raise. You know, it seems like now's a good time for people to ask for a raise too. The labor market is really, really tight. And here's one thing I know. You don't get something unless you ask for it. If you want a raise, but you don't ask for it, then you're just waiting for somebody to give it to you. And as an employer, if somebody says they want something, typically you're a little sensitive to what, how they feel or what their needs are. So if you want to raise, ask for it. Now's the time. Uh, I think that what I've seen in the, in the labor market is instead of people trying to get a raise from their current employer, getting a bigger raise, they see the opportunities to jump to a new employer. I've seen that a lot with younger clients and 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 a lot of younger clients have taken new jobs for more money in the same industry the last two years. I actually saw a chart a couple weeks ago if you stayed at your job, on average, your your pay increase is like 5.2%. If you jump a job, it's a little over nine. So it actually does make sense. But I think in today's market, you might be able to put a little pressure on employers to give you a raise, maybe, maybe above and beyond what you were expecting. Number four here, avoid lifestyle inflation. So what is lifestyle inflation? That's probably every time you're getting a raise, you're continuing to just spend the extra money. So one very easy strategy you can implement when you get a raise, also increase your contributions. Because I don't think you should avoid lifestyle inflation at all costs. Like as you make more money, you should enjoy more lifestyle. That being said, you should also be saving the appropriate amount of money. And to me, the biggest reason is so you always have the lifestyle that you really want. So that that goes to number five, boost your retirement contributions. So you, you jumped a little bit ahead, but... One of the keys, if you get that 
raise at work, we start to increase your contribution. So if you get a 3% raise, increase your 401k contribution 1%. You know, ideally, every person out there, if, if everybody out there was maxing out their 401k at work and their Roth IRA, they would be in pretty good financial situation in most cases. You would I mean, be pretty happy with that after 20 or 25 years of doing it. The only exception is if you're a high wage earner, you're making four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000, you're going to have to save beyond your 401k and your Roth IRA to keep that same lifestyle you have. But for most people, maxing out a Roth IRA and maxing out a 401k, whether Roth or traditional 401k, is going to put you on the right track to hit most of your retirement goals. Six, evaluate your retirement account. This is a good thing to do. And if you're, you know, if you're consuming some sort of financial media, like our show or just anything, and you're starting to feel more comfortable with investing, like if your 401k is a good place, you could look and you could say, you know, maybe you're in the default target date retirement, which those are not bad if you're not going to put any effort in. But if you are going to put effort in, it might be time to maybe just look at what uh, investment options are there. Make sure, and if you may have access to more than, than what you think. Uh, and then kind of define, depending on your age and your goals, what you think you should own and buy those asset classes. So I think evaluating that once in a while is a good thing to do. Seven, get rid of unnecessary fees. And, and I think this is actually a lot easier to build up today. And I'm going to lump fees and subscriptions is the same thing here. People are caught in the subscription world. You know, I had the, the story about how I was getting Dollar Shave Club for like eight years and I have a whole box full of razors, but at $3.99 a month, it never just came on my radar. Well, how many excess dollars did I spend on razors? I granted, I've accumulated a lifetime supply, but check your fees. I know now like Hulu bundles, ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu. Well, I realized I have a separate Disney Plus membership that I'm paying, whatever, nine bucks a month. I can get rid of that. So check to make sure you're not paying a bunch of fees you don't need to be paying and you're not uh, you know, overdoing the subscriptions that you're not using. So carefully consider your home improvements. This is, a, this is pretty relevant for now because home values have gone up a lot the last couple of years. So homeowners have some more equity in the house. And if you're thinking about uh, utilizing some of that equity for projects, that could very well be a good idea. It could also be a waste of money depending on what you're going to do. Um, but if you're going to maybe use some equity to do some updates to help you sell your house and they're effective ones, that's probably a good idea. Or if there's, if you have enough equity and you really want a new kitchen or there's a bathroom you need to update, um, that, that might be a good opportunity as well. But I would probably kind of consider the limits and what you're going to do as opposed to just kind of going all out on home improvement. There, there's not a whole lot of return on updating a home. Number nine, keep your home in good repair. So it kind of goes with home improvements, but home improvements are discretionary. I want a new, new tile, flooring, bathtub, shower, whatever. Good repair means you're keeping your house in good working order and preventing future damage. And, and I think a good example is a roof. Nobody wants to re replace their roof. Everybody wants to wait for a hailstorm, mm. right? I mean, we're in Iowa. Eventually one's going to happen. I've lived here for, I've owned a home for 20 years in Iowa. I've never had my roof replaced because of a hailstorm. Knock on wood. That said, if you need a new roof, you should do it because what you're doing is you're preventing 
the future cost of some other major problem. So a little bit of preventive, preventive maintenance goes a long way with your home. So keep your home in good repair, keep it tidy. You don't know when you're going to need to sell it. But so the last thing you need to do is, oh man, I got this great job opportunity in XYZ or XYZ company. And I have to relocate, but my house is in shambles. because I haven't taken care of it. You know, it's interesting how people treat their home. Typically the, the best it looks is when they get ready to sell it. <laughs> Yeah, think about, I mean, think true. about the dynamic. We don't enjoy living in it, but man, when we sell it, it's going to be really nice. So, you know, fix it up for yourself and keep it nice for you. And it'll be ready to sell to the next person. Well, here's what would make my house really nice if there wasn't so many toys in it. But there's nothing that I can do about that right now. So I, I just have to live with it. Elias, I actually stepped on a toy this morning and it went straight into the garbage after I stepped on we're it. We're in the same boat. I told my wife, I said, I don't even know how somebody with young kids, let's say kids under five years old. Any, you know, if they're over five, it's one thing, but under five, it's like little tiny toys and stuff everywhere. They can't pick anything up. How would that person or that family actually sell a house? You know, oh, they, it's miserable. I bet. I, I, I don't, I can't even fathom. I don't know how you'd keep it picked up. It would just be completely destroyed. I mean, you just have to tell the to real estate agent, I'm going to have to give a discount because it's not going to be picked up when people come Yeah, through. there's going to be crumbs on the floor. There's going to be toys places. So in addition to that, just in general, taking care of the things you own. So home repairs, auto repairs, you know, especially if you're driving a used vehicle, you're going to have to do some preventative maintenance and you're just better off paying that and getting having your things in working order. Uh, in the long run, it's going to cost you less money and everything you own is going to be in better condition. Number 11, carefully consider all of the debt you have. Um, now's a good time to, you know, consider what you're buying. And like I mentioned, when you're 20 and 30, you're kind of just getting started. So there are certain things you buy that you see as necessary that you're not. You bought the boat, you bought the bass boat, you bought the truck to pull it, and you thought you needed a new one. When you're 40, you just start to think about, what are the things that are going to add value to me when I retire? How do I increase my net worth? I think that's a mental shift. So before you take debt, just start to ask yourself, is this debt going towards something that's going to help me build wealth long-term? Or is this debt just going to something that is really just a consumer discretionary item that honestly in five years I probably won't even have? And you start to answer your questions about how you should view debt and what purchases you should make and what the responsible purchase is. So the 12th thing, check your asset allocation. So this is a pretty timely, timely one, just because we have a very volatile market this year. So I think a lot of people have thought of this. I know. So since we're talking about 40 year olds, I know I've had several conversations this year with clients that are in their forties, early fifties, about, and in my opinion, they're very successful financially and asking, well, is it time to become more conservative? And I think in a, in a market like this, if you can kind of hang in there, keep buying and doing all the right things, um, you're going to be rewarded. And if you think about investing, when, when you're putting money like in your 401k and you're buying um, a fund, a mutual fund, ETFs that track that own stocks or track an index or something along those lines, you're really investing in the future. So the current market environment shouldn't be 
at kind of the front of your mind. You should be investing those dollars thinking, well, wh what is this going to accomplish in five and 10 years? And that's going to help you answer questions about asset allocation. And if your time horizon, which anyone in their 40s, even if you're planning on retiring at 60, your time horizon is still beyond that. You're going to live until you're 85 or 90 years old. So you still have a very long time to accumulate assets and let those grow for you. I think it's a good point. A lot of people hit 45 or whatever, whatever age after 40, and they think about retirement is in 15 years of 60s or gold. And they just inherently think they're supposed to become less aggressive. Why? And and the best way to answer that is just to get a financial plan done. That I mean, what the financial plan does is lead somebody to the right asset allocation. Number 13, don't raid your retirement for your kid's college. You know, I think Dave Ramsey's always said this the best. He's yet to ever see somebody where their kids helped with their retirement. You know, your kids aren't going to help you retire. They're going to have their own life. So don't raid your retirement to pay for your kid's college. They can go to work. They can work a job to pay this off. They can make choices as to where they go to school. Uh, I'll use myself as an example. My parents definitely weren't raiding their college for me to go their their retirement for me to go to school. So they had a set amount of money put aside for me and said, you can go wherever you want, but this is how much we'll pay. And I'll never forget this. I wanted to go to Luther College. I had family that went there. It's where I wanted to go. I, you know, it's in Northeast Iowa. Yeah, lakes, streams, hunting, all the stuff I love to do. And I met, went and met with financial aid department and they gave me the price. And I said, is that for four years? They said, no, that's for one. On the drive home, I remember this. My dad had one of those old flip phone, Verizon phones, you know, the big ones that just, not a little mini, but a big flip. I called on the way home. They're like, well, are you going to go to school there? I said, nope, I'm going to Kirkwood. Because my dad taught there. Good choice. And I didn't want to spend the money on it. Uh, but, but had my parents just said, hey, here's the open checkbook. I went there. And then it would have been at their peril. And did I come out the same or better or different? I don't know, but I'm happy with the education I got. So don't raid your retirement for your kid's college. And raiding isn't just taking money out. It could be not saving it. I've seen people that save more for their kid's college than they're saving for their retirement. Yeah, or or we do meet people sometimes that that they, one of the reasons they feel they're not on track is because they spent money on tuition, whether it was private school for K-12 education and college for that matter. I've heard more than one family say, well, we, we're probably a little bit behind because we spent a lot of money on tuition over the years. Uh, so in addition to that, you know, don't raid your retirement accounts for kids' weddings. So Weddings are just becoming so expensive. I've been to some that I wouldn't even want to know what the bill is on the wedding. Um, and, you know, your retirement account, that's just not a good place to get funds to pay for uh, to pay for a one day event, in my opinion. That kind of leads into 15. Encourage your kids to make good financial decisions, whether they're 5, 10, 20, 30 encourage kids to really pay attention to how they're going to spend money. I think about the education that we give kids about finances in high school, and you know this is kind of a soapbox of mine, but we don't do a good job of it. You know, if you think about what we educate kids on as well, it's time to go to college, and the first thing you do is get your student loan or your financial aid in line. We're literally just starting them out on the track 
to debt, it would be so easy to say, hey, here's your, just like my parents kind of did, here's your choices of college and educate on how far behind that 100,000 student loans gonna put these kids and they don't have to take it. There's great educations for a lot less money than $100,000 that can be out there. So have conversations about money with your kids. It starts young. In our house, we equate money to Barbies. So when something's expensive, I'm like, well, that's like 20 Barbies. And my daughter goes, her eyes get big because she thinks 20 Barbies is a lot. But that's how we talk about money in our house is how many Barbies could you have? That's funny. That's a 20 Barbie purchase. I might start doing that at my house. Well, you know, I just like my oldest who's six, she's just starting to understand money, but my three-year-old doesn't. So right now it's just, it's all in the Barbie world. I might use uh, dump trucks for my son. There you go. That would be an eight dump truck purchase, buddy. Well, you know, if you take him to Target. You've been down this road. You go to Target and they yeah. want a toy. And you're like, okay, here's the dollar limit on the toy we're going to do. They don't pick out that toy because they don't know what it means. They pick out the coolest toy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, $300. You're like, no, that's a 20 Barbie toy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that so reevaluating priorities. So in your forties, it's a good time. If you're working towards things or not that are not important to you, it might be a good time to change course. So I guess that's kind of alluding to, you know, maybe there's a fork in the road for you where you might feel like I'm working towards things that I don't value or they're not important. So it might I don't know if that'd be a career change or something outside of your career, but I guess if you don't feel fulfilled in some of those things, then Maybe it's time to make a change. 17, I think this is really important because this starts to craft how you're going to build your financial plan. But think about what you'll do in retirement. Most people don't. They just think about retirement. Like, oh, I get to retire now or I want to retire now. But they're not kind of putting the pieces together as to what they're going to do. If, if you're going to travel in retirement, you should probably plan on spending more money than you do today. Because if you're working, you're not traveling, it's going to be more expensive. Granted, you might not have a mortgage or whatever other debt that you have, but start to put this together. Are you going to work a part-time job? Do you want to work in retirement? I personally, I, I don't see myself not doing some kind of work. I don't know what I would do with all the days if I didn't work. And maybe that's just because I really like what I do but I feel like I could stay engaged doing something in our business through retirement. Uh, but think about what you're gonna do. It should help to build your goals, priorities, your financial plan, and it's gonna lead to how much you need to be saving you know, without having to sacrifice today. Some people, conversely, sit back and say, you know, I wanna live like I do today, but in retirement, they're gonna spend less money. Maybe they can live more today and not save quite as much for the future. Yeah, and I, I think to go along, with that to either maybe saving more or living a little bit more right now when you start thinking about retirement along the way. And I do think this is a very overlooked aspect of financial planning, but you should maintain an emergency fund. So however you want to quantify that and figure it out, it could be three to six months of income, depending on your job. You could add up all of your bills that you know that you have every month. Um, your insurance deductibles, 
you could do an exercise like that and figure out what is the dollar amount that I feel comfortable knowing if something happens, I just have the cash to pay for it. So a maintained emergency fund that fits your lifestyle and your goals is a very important aspect of a total financial picture. 19, avoid panic selling when markets tank. In your 40s, these are opportunities. Right now for a 40-year-old, more than likely the market is an opportunity. It may not seem like an opportunity in the next six or eight months, but in 15 years, when you retire, you're going to look back and be like, man, I'm glad I increased my contribution or I had a little extra cash and I dumped it into the market. Whatever it is, now's not the time to sell. If you sell, chances are likely in 15 years, you're going to look back and be like, man, I'm really upset that I did that. Wish I would have had some coaching. So don't panic sell when times get really, really tough. And right now, so I, and I haven't, I've looked earlier this morning, but what, what would we have to gain just in the S&P 500 to get back to the all-time high? What would the percentage gain have to be? North of 28. We're probably down 21 right now. Let's yeah, see. so in, in general, and that, that math is probably in the ballpark. And the market's never not made a new all-time high. So to me, that's, that's one of the most compelling reasons to continue buying especially if you're only 40 some years old. We're, we're at such a discount right now. And let's say if you have an extra 100,000, you put it in, and even if the market goes down from that point, but then we still make a new all-time high eventually, how, how will you not be happy with that decision? Oh, I think you will be. So the market's down 20, 20-ish percent. So you're gonna have to make 25, 26% just to get back to even. Just to get back to where we were at the So arguably, high. if by the time you retire, say it's 10 years, do you think the market's gonna make back what it lost this one year in 10 years? And if so, you answered your own question, how to invest. That's a 25% rate of return. Yeah, ju just on that. And I, and, it, and, and that, that leads into the next one, get financial planning help. So I think that's the easiest way to get on a path and then stay on it. If you work with a professional office and almost every firm now specializes in financial planning, how they get you to the outcome, it might be different from a philosophy standpoint from firm to firm, but just getting some help from a professional. And the other thing is, is take those recommendations. I actually, I met with a prospect recently who all they wanted was a second opinion on what their advisor was doing for them. I know the firm that they're working with. Um, they have a great reputation. They do a good job. And one of the things I, in our conversation, I said, you know, just focus, implement the recommendations. They're working in your best interest. And I think every firm in the area, at least in our local area is that's how they're trying to help people. They want to get you on the right path and keep you there. And they're also incentivized to make you money over the long term. 21, create a will. Let's be honest, before you're 40, you don't have that many assets you probably accumulated. And the, the assets you've accumulated no. before 40 are primarily probably your 401k and that has a beneficiary. But when you hit 40, you start to have other assets. You have equity in real estate and you have maybe have a bigger bank account or brokerage account, all these things. You wanna control where it goes based upon your goals, your wishes, versus that of others. So just create a will. It's 
no one thinks about it when they're 30, 40. I promise you is the day you wake up, you're like, have I done a will and have I updated my will? So get a will. Yeah. And then also you could get some estate planning help. And really what, what this does is it, it gives, it can give your heirs or people in your family direction if something happens to you. That's probably the number one reason to do it, to have some sort of way to outline what you want to happen. And it's the clearest way to do it. And then, and then your family doesn't have to guess. They can just follow those directions. 23, start tax planning. Uh, I think it's very imperative if you have a decent paying job and you're saving money for retirement, you're trying to do all the right financial stuff, get a good CPA that you work with that can make sure you're maximizing what you're le legally you know, obligated to get from a tax standpoint. Most people are missing something when it comes to a tax deduction unless they have a professional helping them. So start doing tax planning. Another thing to think about is long-term care insurance. And this is a, this is a topic that almost everyone brings up eventually because I think almost everyone has someone in their family that needed care at their home or had to go to a nursing home for some period of time. Um, and I guess we talk a lot about there's different ways to approach long-term care. Um, you can just not think about it. That's an option. You can just never kind of plan for it. You can outsource that risk to an insurance company through buying a policy, or for a lot of people, you're just going to self-insure. But there are ways to plan for long-term care and how you're going to approach that part of your life. Here's why I think doing this in your 40s is potentially a good idea. Most people don't think about it until they're about 60. That, you're like, that's when they have an event. If you look at people in their 60s, their parents are, have dementia, Alzheimer's, they've been in a care facility. But at 44, my parents aren't even close to that right now, so it's not top of mind. But if you looked at some type of a long-term care policy in your 40s, and let's say you took out a limited pay option, meaning you're only gonna pay for 10 years. You wanna pay for the long-term care while you're working or while you're retired. So that's working. why I do it in your 40s is probably going to be some of your highest earning years or you're working towards them. That's the time to potentially look at it if this is a route you think is important for you. 25, consider renewing your term life policy. So, you know, we're advocates of utilizing term, term life insurance to protect assets, protect income. I, I've always told people term life is a self-completing portion of your retirement plan. And what I mean by that, it's going to take care of your family if you can no longer make the future contributions to the 401k and the retirement plan. If you think about what happens in your 40s, let, let's say you got married when you're 25. How long of a term policy did you take out? Probably a 15 year or very common a 20 year. Yep. You may want to start looking at how much insurance do I really need? And then what kind of a term policy do I take out? If I'm 45, maybe I'm taking out a 15 year or I'm taking out a 10 year. It all depends on what you're trying to replace and when you'll actually be what I call financially independent. Once you hit financial independence, meaning you can retire, you have enough money to live how you want and retire, why do you need a bunch of life insurance? You likely don't. So take a look at your term life policy in your, in your 40s and make sure it still meets your goals and objectives going forward. And while you're taking a look at that, you could review your beneficiaries and I would review them on all of your investment accounts, 401ks, IRAs, I would check with the bank about having TOD endorsements on your bank accounts and then on any insurance you have, you know, especially a, 
a life insurance. Most people, they buy it after they get married and they start a family. Um, and then a lot of people, eventually, if you have another kid or two more, um, you may not even have all of your children listed as a beneficiary on, um, like on an insurance policy or something. 27, in general, review your insurance coverage. And primarily what I want people to look at here is what's your liability coverage? Do you have a liability umbrella? It's probably the cheapest insurance you can buy through your auto and home provider. But it just says, hey, if I happen to get in a car accident, that's my fault. And the damages are above what my auto insurance policy covers. I've got something to cover that. You know, you don't know who you're going to get in an accident with on the road. Let's say you just happen to kill a physician and they sue you for $5 million. Your auto coverage doesn't cover that. It's above the limits. A liability umbrella could cover that. It's a really, really inexpensive insurance. You should go make sure your personal insurance needs are all up to par and appropriate for where you are in your life from an earning standpoint, from a risk standpoint. I know personally for me, we have a pool. So we have a large umbrella policy because we're realistic. Something could happen at that pool. Yes, it could. Here's another kind of timely one, and you've done a good job of this over the last year. Take care of your health. So whether it's exercising more, eating healthier, um, that's kind of funny because you're in your 40s and you've done a really good job the last year of improving your health. I have, and you know what? Um, I feel better. I have more energy, I can tell you that. You know, there was a time in my 30s I didn't take care of myself at all. I just went out to the Mexican place and had two tacos and fajitas and chips and margaritas and is what it is. And it's like, man, I'm taking a nap every day. And once you kind of get it under control a little bit, you're like, man, I don't need a nap anymore. So yeah. And I think forties really like the age people start to think about it. Like, man, I don't have a whole lot of time left to get it going. I mean, if, if you wait till you're 60 to try to get your health in check, you've already had stuff happen. And yeah, how many people at 60 drastically, improve their overall health. It's not that they can, it's just really difficult. Your body has a different metabolism. You're not moving as well, all those different things. Uh, 29, try mini retirements. Uh, What's a mini retirement? Maybe you take a month off work and just see what it's like to not work. We all kind of did this during COVID, right? We all had a mini retirement, got to work from home, everything was shut down. If that was a tough time for you, and I, I understand you couldn't probably go do a lot of things. But if you just had a tough time and started going stir crazy, that may actually be what retirement looks like because there's not constant entertainment all the time. Maybe that's where you want to say, okay, well, if I'm going to retire, maybe I am going to have a part-time job or I'm going to volunteer at the Humane Society or whatever it is just to keep, keep busy, especially in Iowa. It's easy to stay busy in spring, summer, and fall in Iowa. It's difficult to find stuff to do in the winter here. So try mini retirements before you just decide to go Guns a blaze and retire. Uh, this is also a good opportunity to think about downsizing. Um, this could be, you know, maybe you don't need as big of a house because you might have kids that are starting to move out. You may not need to own as many vehicles. That's probably another function of your family. Um, and just in general, could you manage with less stuff and less things? And I, I think another thing that comes with downsizing and decluttering, I just, I think it's, um, it simplifies your lifestyle. I know for at our house, I know every time we kind of do a declutter and get rid of some things, it just makes 
it seems like it makes the house more comfortable. It makes everything just a little more um, smooth and not as hectic, having less things. So I'm all for that. Elias, you have kids, you'll appreciate this. I told my wife we're in, implementing a new rule. When we get a new toy, two leave the house. It's a great rule. Because you might want to up that to three, leave the house. I don't know if I can pull that off, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally we took a, we took three garbage bags full of toys to Goodwill the other day. You'd think your kids would miss them. They have no idea they're gone. And the toy boxes are still filled to the brim. Oh yeah. Same, same at my house. And I think that's, I think the, the toy, the toy situation, people just have more discretionary income nowadays. And I think that really highlights it. Cause I know when I was, even me, when I was growing up, we had toys at the house, but not like we have at my house right now, but it's grandma and grandpas and uncle, aunts and uncles and everyone. And then think about our parents where how many toys did a kid have back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s? What, you got like one ball and one toy? I had one toy box. I don't know how many toy boxes we have. In the, we have a whole toy room. You like probably not have a, box. a toy house. You probably have a house. You're right. It's toys. pretty much a toy house. We've got most of out of the living room, but we have one room in the basement. It's the toy room and it's just toys everywhere. And it's great because the girls wake up in the morning and go play. But how many toys are really needed? 31, take time to relax. You know, life is fast. It's coming at you fast. You have kids. Find 15, 20, 25 minutes a day to just relax. You know, I know. You actually said something earlier. You're like, I'm going to start meditating. That is a good release for a lot of people. I don't do it. Maybe your time to relax is actually you go for a workout because your kids aren't around. Sometimes just getting like a nice 20 minute warm shower where nobody messes with you is a great time to relax, but just find some you time during the day to kind of reset and think about, you know, what's coming at you. So you don't run yourself ragged and break down, you know, because it's easy to do. And you have, you have three kids. I have two. There's always time where we just hit that barrier. Like, okay, look, I need 25 minutes to myself with nobody around. Yeah. You, you need that sometimes. Here's a good one. Learning and keeping up with technology. So this is probably a good thing to do. And I would think most 40 year olds now are more adapt, have adapted technology more than 40 year olds of 30 years ago, but it's probably a good thing to kind of keep up with that and not, cause there's always going to be something new. And if you're in your forties and you have kids and a family, you know, at some point you'll probably have grandkids and they're going to know how to use everything. So I, I think keeping up with that is an important, important thing for people to do. And I have a comment on that. Okay. If you think you've been keep, keeping up with technology in your 40, you haven't been. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know kid, I could keep my, up way better than I do. But. Went to my to my my parents' house. My Blake's playing with Alexa. I don't have an Alexa. She knows how to operate the whole thing. We don't even have one in our house. Well, there's those are easy. You just got to yell at them. I understand, but my point is, we think we're keeping up with technology. We're not. And I I made it a goal about a year ago. I'm like, I want to keep up with technology. So I went out and ordered a couple of books on artificial intelligence. I haven't read any of the books, but I have them. But I haven't read them yet. But I'm like, I don't want to fall behind because if you take a look at people that are in their 60s and what they know how to do from a technology standpoint versus us, we're drastically farther ahead. 
our kids are going to be so much farther ahead from us. They're getting iPads and computers where they're in first and second, third grade. Like and they're, we, good at, they're good at using them. They're great at it. So if you think you're keeping up, I'd tell you to push more, to keep up more. I know I'm trying to do it because I don't want to fall behind when I'm 65. You know, I, I know people that are 65 and do what we do. They barely know how to do email. Like it's a foreign language to some people. And we don't think it's hard, but if you haven't kept up and haven't done it, it becomes hard and tedious. 33, be open to new things. I guess that learns uh, kind of goes back to technology. Try new things. Adapt the yes mentality. When somebody asks, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, I'll try it. You know, as long as it's not putting you in harm's way, just be open to trying new things. You never know what you're going to learn. You don't know how it's going to empower you. You don't know how it's going to improve your life until you try it. Yeah, and that's also a good probably some good advice too because I think as people get older they probably get more kind of stuck in their ways and I know a lot of people who are 40 and older that they're pretty stubborn about who they are and and uh, what they will do what they won't do so I think being open I'm kind of worried about that for myself I can be a fairly stubborn person so I try to stay open to new things and stay open-minded uh, another good I think a good talking point measure your progress against you so I've heard I've heard questions about this. Sometimes people ask, "How am I doing relative to your other clients or your, the other people you work with?" What's and the average person have saved at this? Yeah, stage? We, we get that one a lot, and I don't. And that's really not. It's not relevant. What other people have done and how other people want to live their life, it's not relevant. And if you think through the lens of how we help people when we're crafting when we craft a financial plan and we have clients that really engage in the planning process, it's unique to them. It's their goals, their risk tolerance, their asset allocation. And it's not, you know, what other people have and what other people do. It's irrelevant. I mean, I, I know some older clients that their lifestyle, they can live, they can live their lifestyle just off their social security check. They have money saved. They don't need any of it, but if they were to ask me, well, how have I done compared to other people? Well, it's not relevant because do you have the lifestyle you want? The answer is yes. Well, then you're doing great. 35, and we've embraced this more. I can tell you personally, I'm embracing this more. Enjoy your money now. And we've really talked with a lot of people about this. And I think it, for me, it's I have parents approaching retirement age. And when you're 45, you just kind of, nothing's going to change for you from what you can, from a physical ability standpoint, more than likely for a long time. When you're 66, you have to ask yourself, how many great years in retirement do I have? And it doesn't mean that you aren't going to live a long time. But what you can do at 76 versus 66, more than likely, is different. And what you can do at 66 versus 81 is different. So maybe you want to enjoy some of that money now because maybe you won't have. 10 or 15 years of retirement to do it. So think about this when you do a financial plan. If you're on track to hit your goals and you have excess capital, maybe it's like, hey, maybe we'll take the extra vacation now with our kids. Maybe we'll enjoy it earlier versus just hoarding it forever. Unless your only goal is to pass all this money to the next generation. And while we have clients who want to pass money, most clients, their goal is not to transfer everything they have 
to the next generation. No, mo- most people are very interested in enjoying what they've worked hard to get. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. Elias, this is actually a fun little show to do, kind of hammer these 35 tips that you can do to kind of maximize your financial future in your 40s. I want to thank everybody for listening. If anybody wants help or advice with any of these, you can go to btwellshow.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.